Good evening, and welcome to All Access on 106.1 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics. And by Francesca by Katie's, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner. By Rhino Shield Mid-South. Bergeron Automotive in Metairie. By LifeGate Church in Mandeville and Metairie. By Premier Automotive throughout the New Orleans area. John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge. By Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area. And by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk intelligent sports, all sports, all the time. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, the Greater New Orleans Quarterback Club, Life Resources Ministries, and the Kenner Star. And a pleasant good evening and welcome to another edition of All Access. It is, of course, the Monday night edition here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Our tune-in app available for you to listen in anywhere in the world via iHeart. Piece of cake to do so. You can also get us at home via Alexa if you can't pick us up on radio. Just tell her to play Nash Icon 106.1 FM. Also, our podcast available following the show through CrescentCitySports.com. Just click on the podcast option. Click on menu. Click on more to do so, and you can hear the show back for a second time or just pick out what you'd like to hear again. No problem. You can email me, Ken, at CrescentCitySports.com, or feel free to call the show. It's 504-260-1061. That's 504-260-1061. Later on in the show, we will have the opportunity to visit with Glenn Gilbo of Outkick.com and talk about SEC Media Days and Coach Brian Kelly speaking today. We'll get his take on everything that's transpired there. And, of course, we'll touch on some other sports items from tennis to golf as well. But we start off by talking about the New Orleans Pelicans, who just concluded their summer league portion of their annual schedule. And, of course, as we say all the time, don't put too much stock in it for several reasons, not the least of which is few of the players will be around in the fall. And, of course, stats don't really matter and all of these things. But what you can do is get a good look at players that matter that you are considering having as part of your operation in the fall, some of whom will be, and getting a pretty good read on those players while looking at players from other organizations as well. All of those things are applicable. Joining us now to talk about what transpired in Las Vegas is a good and great friend from Pelicans.com, longtime NBA writer Jim Eichenhofer. Jim, always a pleasure. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. Always good talking Pelicans with you. Well, okay, so, I mean, wins and losses, that's not what it's all about. But this team went 3-2, and two, and the two games they lost were very close games that they could have easily won. So, by and large, from that perspective, a pretty solid approach and a pretty solid experience. Yeah, I thought it was definitely more positive than negative, both team-wise and individually. There were a couple guys that had some ups and downs among the main players that they sent there. They basically had five guys that were kind of the focus in terms of players that have been drafted or players that have been are under contract in one way or another with New Orleans. And among those five guys, I think um, most of them played well. Um, and several of them actually had really good games to close it out. So it was good. Even though they lost Sunday in the finale, it was good 
to see a couple guys have maybe some of their, their best basketball the entire time they were in Vegas in the last game. Starting with you know the, the lower end and then working our way up toward the guys that, that certainly distinguish themselves and have a future. Uh, Matkovich didn't really do much to help himself, foul trouble frequently, and you know, played in four games and you know, didn't really have that distinguishing characteristic, averaged just over four points a game. You know, didn't rebound the ball quite as much as you would have liked him to. Again, couldn't stay on the floor very long. But, again, this is not a player that you would expect to be around and probably remains abroad, I would imagine. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the case. I mean, he it seems like he has been adjusting to the speed of the game. He played in summer league last year as well, but he only played one game because he hurt his hand on the, on the rim. Um, I think he was going for an alley-oop or something like that last year. I mean, this was his chance to get more experience playing against NBA-level competition. Um, you, I think you mentioned the foul. He had a lot of foul trouble. He had a bunch of moving screens where he kind of has to just get adjusted to how, how they call those and just being tighter with his execution of that. But it just seemed like the game was pretty fast for him, and I think that was something that he wasn't used to because he's played his, his last couple of years and his entire time as a pro overseas in Europe, and it's just a different type of competition and game of the players on the outside looking in uh, the one that maybe grabbed a little attention was Landers Nolly the second because he had two very productive games including the final game in which he he went off from a scoring perspective and maybe opened some eyes uh, if not here maybe in other circles of this league yeah it was reported by somebody or multiple people I guess that he is on a he was signed to an exhibit 10 contract by New Orleans which basically is your ticket to the G League. Um, I think Jose Alvarado initially was on an Exhibit 10 before he was signed to a two-way contract. So it's kind of the first step to, to being involved in the organization in some form. But like you said, he uh, he was impressive with his three-point shooting. Um, he made six of those in the game Sunday. He had another game where he did really well from beyond the arc. I, w- I just like his, his stroke. It seems like he just got a really smooth jump shot there's not a lot of extra motion and he ended up 10 for 20 from three-point range over the five games that he played so yeah I think among the bench guys he he really stood out um I think it was it was definitely good to see him play well because he was one of those players that made a lot of lists this year or last month in June of you know when they put out players that weren't drafted the best guys that were undrafted I think he was on that list for a lot of people so who knows, maybe down the road he'll have a chance to follow in the footsteps of Jose Alvarado and Najee Marshall among the players that didn't get drafted but still ended up being part of a rotation on a good team. Darian Sebron, an interesting guy. He's long, and he plays bigger than he is because he's got tremendous reach, and he's a willing defender, and he's got some offensive skill. I mean, the scoring is certainly there. The field goal percentage at 57% was very good, and he led this team in scoring. You know, he did a good job rebounding the basketball, averaged three assists per game, had a steal per game as well. The only negative is long-distance shooting. He just didn't show that ability, at least in the five games. But certainly overall, you had to be impressed by this two-way player from a year ago. Yeah, I think he's going to take a lot of momentum into the rest of the offseason just the way that he played. I think the one game that he played poorly was actually the first game of Summer League, which they, they lost. Minnesota, but after that, I think the last four games, he was extremely consistent, very good at getting to the basket, which is something that we 
kind of already knew that he could do. I mean, he's uh, he's been known even back to when he was in college at NC State as a very good offensive player who could score and can drive by people pretty much at will. Um, obviously, it's harder to do that at the NBA level, but, I mean, he's showed how effective he can be in summer league at, at that, which I think is his really number one top strength is just that he can go downhill and get to the rim. Um, but I think he has a lot of, you mentioned some of it, he has a lot of the traits that you would think would make you a, a really good defensive player as well, or he has the ability to do that. So it seems like that's one thing that the coaches are stressing with him is just you know to always bring the most intensity that he can bring, and there's no reason why he can't be a, a quality defensive player as well. So he was impressive. I think there were probably people who watched all of Summer League who thought that maybe besides Dyson Daniels that maybe he was the MVP of the team just based on how consistent he was and how big of a role he had in all three of their wins. You mentioned Daniels, so I guess we'll go there. Uh, he played the most minutes. You know, he averaged 14.6 points a game, of course, assists uh, 6.4. And having watched most of the games, all but one, he would have averaged more assists had players made shots because he, he got guys in good position to score, but he still averaged nearly six and a half assists a game, and he rebounded the ball very well. The one thing he, he still doesn't show is the ability to shoot the jump shot from any distance, yeah. but this is a 20-year-old player, and he can defend multiple positions. He's long. He can handle the ball. He distributed well. This is an intriguing player who some look at and say maybe, just maybe, he could be a league guard. Yeah, I think... As time goes on and you see him play more, whether it was, you know, the start of last regular season and now, it seems like he's definitely made strides in some different areas. And some of the areas where we knew he was going to be really good defensively, some of his anticipation, um, he just continues to get better. I mean, it was pretty evident in the games in Summer League that he's at a different level. His anticipation of knowing what the other team's going to do and being in the passing lanes was pretty elite. He had a to me, I, I thought in some ways he, he almost played like a big, which was really impressive for a guy who, like you said, he's a guard, where he was able to block some shots off the backboard and start fast breaks the other way for New Orleans. Um, he also had a couple drives where he was able to kind of shed his defender, knock the guy away because he's gotten stronger and more muscular. And then he had a couple uh, you know, baseline two-handed dunks where I don't recall him really doing that too much during the season, the regular season. Now, granted, this is different competition but still i thought he showed some of why it's encouraging to see that he's he's kind of transformed his body and gotten stronger um obviously he's only 20 we know a lot of guys just naturally get stronger and bigger when they're in their early 20s like most people do um but uh it just seemed like he he took some of what he does really well to a different level in summer league like you said, I mean, the, the outside shot is really the thing that he's going to have to keep working on because in the real season, I think there's going to be a lot of times where some of the big weapons that the Pelicans have are going to be double teamed and he's going to be spotted up wide open. He's going to have to be able to make open threes. Um, he didn't do that in summer league, but you know, I think he'll probably spend the next couple months just continuing to try to get better at the spot-up shooting part of his game. E.J. Liddell, of course, an intriguing player because of what happened last year in the summer league tore his knee you know the ligament damage had the surgery and no one knew what he would look like coming back he's not as tall as you'd like uh, and he was a little bit uh, I guess tentative would be the right word in game one but he just got better as the games progressed had his best game in the last game made all of his free throws too and uh, again this is a guy they signed to a multi-year contract so 
Uh, it looks like he's passed the injury, and I think playing in the game certainly gave him confidence uh, that he could do this. He was on a minutes restriction, and I, I think he distinguished himself pretty well. Yeah, I think similarly to Sebron, the way that Liddell ended summer league was very encouraging as far as the rest of his summer and getting prepared for training camp and preseason in the fall. Um, the summer league head coach, Casey Hill, repeatedly talked about how you know it's important to be patient with him because he had been out for almost a year with the ACL injury, which he sustained last year in summer league, unfortunately. And I think the last game that EJ played in Las Vegas was really kind of the symbol of how it was wise to be patient with him because it seemed like, you know, you used the word hesitant. He definitely seemed a little tentative. He wasn't making a huge impact or imprint on the game the first two or three games that he played. But as he got more comfortable, I mean, I think it's natural that you're going to have some trepidation when you're coming back from an injury like that. But the, the fourth and final game that he played on Sunday, he did sit out one game that was kind of part of his return from the injury. But his, his last game was definitely his best game that he played, and you saw some of the reasons why he was a really good player in college at Ohio State, and also one of the reasons why when the Pelicans picked him 41st that two years ago, that, or in 2022, a lot of people said that he was a steal from the second round of the draft. Unfortunately, in what would have been his rookie season, he really never got to show that. But you definitely saw some, of, some shades of some of the stuff of why people were excited about him coming out of the draft a year ago of course the final player to discuss is is the number one pick jordan hawkins and he scored the ball well enough you can see the the shot the form is excellent i mean he just looked like a good shooter and we know he was at uconn at a high level and a high level program that won a championship he did not shoot threes very well in las vegas overall but he showed plenty enough he rebounded the ball well he dished out some assists and, and scored the ball. Uh, clearly, he did not hurt himself, and you can see why they liked him. And I was glad, too, to see the Pelicans take the approach that was different from a lot of the other teams in Summer League where they had a guy that was a lottery pick that they let, only let him play two or three games, and then they sat him down and just shut him down for the rest of the Summer League. Jordan got to play in all five games, and I think it, it, was, it was positive. He doesn't strike me as somebody who like loses confidence, but... He had really rough third and fourth game, shooting-wise in particular, like you mentioned. So it was good in the fifth game for him to play as well as he did. He did have, I think, what's kind of a very fluky, poor shooting summer league overall. That He, he, he really struggled from three-point range in probably three of the five games. Um, but he did, he did finish with what might have been his best game that he played there. Um, like you said, it's not just about three-point shooting and spot-up shooting with him. Um, he did some stuff off the dribble. He showed some athleticism on defense, too. So um, I was encouraged. I, I like the way he looks. I mean, there's kind of a feel for you, you, you try to watch a player to see whether he can fit in, whether, and that's beyond, you know, if he has a bad shooting game like he did a couple times. It just seems like he was able to adapt to the speed of the game, and his athleticism was good as well. So um, it was good to see him finish up strong, and, and hopefully by the time we get to preseason and the beginning part of the regular season will no one will even remember that he had a couple bad games in las vegas shooting wise visiting with jim eichenhofer pelicans.com and talking about the new orleans pelicans so now uh, the focus shifts to the fall and the roster because to me this this, this roster is intriguing i cannot imagine that there isn't a move to be made yet because 
They just have an abundance of players that could be rotation players, and obviously some of them won't be. And I'm just looking at the roster as a whole. We know who the players absolutely are that are going to play. Of course, if healthy, Zion Williamson, along with C.J. McCollum, Herb Jones, uh, Najee Marshall re-signed, that's four. Uh, then you got Dyson Daniels, that's five. Brandon Ingram, six. Jose Alvarado, seven. Jonas Valanciunas, eight. Larry Nash, Jr., nine. Trey Murphy, the third, ten. You signed Cody Zeller, uh, that would be 11. So that, that leaves you with the likes of Hawkins, Liddell, and, and Kyra Lewis trying to find their way onto the floor. It seems to me that there's probably another move to be made because that's a whole lot of guys to consider who could be rotation players on an NBA team. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible that there could be another move coming in the offseason. I mean, I'm curious. I think a lot of people across the NBA are to see if some of these bigger trades fall through or happen, and then if there's dominoes that come from that. Um, obviously, there's a, a player in Portland who's demanded a trade, and there's a player in Philadelphia, James Harden, that it seems like there's been a lot of discussion about trades with those guys. So uh, I'm curious to see what happens, but like you said, um, it's definitely possible that they'll make another move. I mean, it's been an extremely quiet offseason for the Pelicans, but in some ways I kind of like that because we had a stretch going back five, six, eight years where it seemed like there was half the roster overturned year to year, whereas mm-hmm. these last two offseasons it's been pretty quiet and they've gone with the philosophy of that they know that the players that they have can do big things and are capable of a lot, so they're going to kind of let it simmer and cook. But like you said, um, it's possible that there will be more moves. I mean, there still is a lot of time left in this offseason before we get going in, in pre preseason and training camp. Yeah, no doubt. And, of course, somehow attrition works its way in because of injuries to, to kind of settle these kind of issues. And yet there are a lot of guys. I didn't even mention Sebron as, as part of that mix. And, of course, Kyra Lewis is the other one we just don't know about. I mean, his name's been mentioned in possible route. Uh, trade rumors and so forth and so on because of all the players on the roster I think you know what you got pretty much with all the others you know not not talking about the rookies but all the other players you know what you've got you know what they can do the only one you really probably cannot say that about is Lewis because he's intriguing with his speed with his quickness with his shot which looks good and yet uh, there hasn't been enough consistency or enough trust or enough health to put him out there to really find out if he can be that guy for you. Yeah, I would say that's the case. And unfortunately, the thing for him, I think, which happens to guys from time to time is, you know, he had the injury, which was terrible, and he was out for quite a while. And then in between the time that he got hurt and when he came back, the team got a lot deeper with players like Jose Alvarado playing those guard minutes. They also traded for C.J. McCollum during that span. So, I mean, drafted Dyson Daniels. They went from him having maybe a really good opportunity as the 13th pick in the draft in 2020 to get as much playing time as possible or at least get a decent opportunity to now he's behind a bunch of guys. So that was unfortunate for him that he's he's really had um, some opportunities, but definitely not a lot. And a lot of that is really just has been out of his control that there's been guys that have kind of assumed bigger roles in the backcourt for the Pelicans. Some people feel like the, the backup center spot did not improve with the addition of a, uh, a veteran and Zeller and what he does or doesn't do as compared to what Hernan Gomez or even Jackson Hayes did or didn't do. We know Hernan Gomez going back 
home of sorts, and you know he never really got the trust of the coaching staff to get the any consistent minutes as the backup center. Nance did, and of course he was hurt a bit last year and wasn't as good, and he's undersized. And and they went out and got Zeller, who really is more of a traditional center too. Uh, what do you see in that backup center position, or do you think it's any better? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, and I'm I'm going to cross my fingers here and knock on wood too. I don't think that they necessarily were going forward. We're going to keep being in a position where beyond Jonas Valanciunas and Larry Nance, that they would need a lot of other help at that position. Or I mean, if if you if you saw, for example, Hernan Gomez's role just continued to kind of shrink, even mm-hmm. though just like Kyra Lewis, it wasn't really his fault. When he got a chance to play, he was always productive. But I don't think, especially in today's NBA, where you see a lot of teams going centerless and go with small lineups that you necessarily need more than just Jonas Valanciunas and Larry Nance to play. It seems like with just those two guys, you should be able to eat up most of the minutes. Now, you make a good point as far as Larry Nance was banged up a lot last year and missed a bunch of games. So I sit here and say, you know, you only need two guys, two centers, but they did need more than that last year because Mm -hmm. of the games that he was out for. And, I mean, we could say that in a lot of different positions, unfortunately, for the Pelicans last year. But – um, I see Cody Zeller ideally as you know the third center, a guy who is going to play here and there, but isn't necessarily going to be you know a huge part of the rotation. Or in, and I'm, obviously I'm not coaching, so they're not going to. I'm not part of this decision, but um, that's kind of the way I see it. Is is that he was just extra depth, which I think is what also would have been the case for Hayes and Hern Gomez if they had come back. That they would definitely not have had an easy pathway to minutes unless something injury-wise happens that we don't want to see. No, not not in the least. And, of course, you know, the the relative health. Brandon Ingram's playing for a national team. I guess pluses and minuses. The big plus there is the fact that he'll be ahead of everybody else when you get the training camp with all the experience he's had and going into the preseason and season. Uh, the, the negative is making sure he doesn't get hurt because, again, he missed a ton of games last year. And we all know the situation with – Williamson and we all know the organization has, has stayed the course and they want to give these guys an opportunity to show what they can do. Uh, final word or two about Zion. I mean, we everybody reads everything. Everybody sees everything that's posted and such. And, you know, there's a lot of fact probably out there and a lot of hearsay that's probably out there. And, and yet just taking the young man at his words and words that he's used most recently uh, that came out of his mouth, uh, there seems to be a dedication to lifestyle, dedication to diet, dedication to, to how you treat yourself off the floor. And if that's the case, maybe, just maybe, we're seeing a little bit of maturity and maybe a guy that will be available more. Any thoughts or any knowledge? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hope so. I, I mean, I like a lot of what he's said lately. Um, he, he's definitely kept a low profile in previous off-seasons where he's pretty quiet and he kind of stays out of the public spotlight. Um, this year has been a little bit different. With he, he's done a couple interviews recently where you kind of heard more of his perspective. I think people are happy to hear from him during the off season and just find out what he's thinking. I mean, I, I like what he said, but I, I also understand many, many, many people out there are, are saying, you know, it doesn't really matter what he says. It's about putting it into practice this year and just doing everything he possibly can to put himself into position where he'll, he can be avail- as available as possible and play in as many games as he, he possibly can because we all know based on what we've seen in the 114 games that he's played that when he's on the court, not only is he one of the best players in the league, but the Pelicans have a chance to be one of the best or better teams in the West. So 
I mean, it's it's really just all about that. Um, I like his perspective. I think he's definitely maturing as we tend to do when we're in our early 20s and as we get older. Um, but now it's just about applying that to the season. And, and I'm, I know I'm speaking for pretty much everyone that says if he can be on the court 65, 70 games, we're going to all be doing backflips at the end of the year. <laughs> you got that right. Final thought before we let you get away. As you look at the, uh, the NBA, in particular the Western Conference, uh, just projecting in this far in advance and looking where it might be. To me, if we're looking for the breakout team, last year we saw you know, Memphis maybe was kind of that team before they had their issues with their point guard, and which is carrying over. But I'm looking at Oklahoma City. I just like, yeah. I like that team. I like that young nucleus. Love Gilgis Alexander. Love Giddy. Chet Holmgren looks like he's healthy again. Isaiah Joe's solid. You know, we, we know about the veteran players on that team uh, that can contribute. But that is a young nucleus of really good players. They've built it the right way. And to me, that's, that's a team that I'm very interested in watching and a team that's, frankly, pretty exciting. Yeah, when you started talking, I thought that you were going to ask me maybe who I thought was going to be the breakthrough team in the West, and that actually was going to be my answer. I was going to say, <laughs> okay, I think they definitely have the best chance to make a pretty big jump wins-wise. I mean, the Pelicans do as well if they get a decent amount of health. But I think one of the things that is really interesting about the West in general this year is beyond OKC, which went 40-42 and 42 last year, a couple of the other teams that had losing records that were a lot further down the standings also made a bunch of moves to potentially get a lot better. So I feel like there aren't going to be too many teams that are put – there might not be any teams in the West that are just complete pushovers because mm-hmm. teams like the Spurs added Wembenyama, obviously – um, the Rockets, I think, had a big talent infusion. We'll see if how that translates to wins. Yeah. Um, they did add a couple veterans as well with Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. But I think one of the interesting, most interesting parts about the West this year is you're going to play 50-plus games in, in the conference, and you're and of those 50-plus games, there aren't going to be hardly any nights where you're going to just walk out there and say, ah, oh, we got this in the bag. It, the mm-hmm. conference is getting really deep. The top of it might not be as good as it has been, in recent years, but I think overall the 13th, 14th best teams are are potentially much better than they've been in the past, and that's going to make it really tough night in and night out, I think, during the season. He's Jim offer. Follow his fine work at Pelicans.com. Of course, follow him on Twitter as well. Always a pleasure visiting, Jim. Thanks so much. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Ken. Always good talking with you. My pleasure. Thank you, Jim. Jim offer. All right, we'll take a time out here. It's 504-260-1061 when we return. SEC Media Days. And today it was LSU on the podium with Brian Kelly. We'll talk about some of the highlights and some of the thoughts about the SEC with Glenn Gilbo of Outkick.com, who joins us next here on Nash Icon 1061 FM and on the web at NashFM1061.com. Inside New Orleans. If it's New Orleans sports, culture, food. Inside New Orleans with Eric Asher is talking about it. Weekdays at 4 on 1061 Nash Icon and available online anytime at NashFM1061.com. When the final horn blows at the All-State Sugar Bowl, the action is just beginning as another jam-packed year of Sugar Bowl activity lies just ahead. With over 55 annual events, including all Louisiana high school state championships, the Sugar Bowl support of amateur athletics adds up to big fun and big dollars for our economy. From the Crescent City Classic to lacrosse, sailing, basketball, and more, the Sugar Bowl has something for most everyone. 
For more on the great things the Sugar Bowl is doing, log on to AllStateSugarBowl.org. Sponsored by Allstate, Taco Bell, and Dr. Pepper. You could throw your flip-flop at a bug. Ew, a bug, get it. But the chances of actually hitting it... Oh, over there! ...are statistically... It's still alive. Unlikely. Good thing nature's got your back. Stem bug killers combine powerful active ingredients found in plants, like lemongrass and geraniol, and scientifically engineer them into effective bug-fighting formulas, safe for use as directed around people, pets, and throughout the home. Stem. Rooted in nature. Optimized by science. If you want to be treated right, you go to Bergeron. Bergeron will give you the best deal. You just know you can trust these people. They're from here. They get me. You know, buying a car doesn't have to be a scary experience. It's anything but a Bergeron. Everybody knows that. Everybody. I grew up with a Bergeron. I went to school with a Bergeron. This is the fourth car I've bought from here. That makes me a Bergeron. I'm a Bergeron. I'm a Bergeron. I'm a bourgeois. Get out of here. I'm a Bergeron. Everybody knows a Bergeron. Bergeron Automotive on Veterans in Metairie. Parents, are you tired of helping put your kids' shoes on? They're squirming, watching cartoons, anything but helping. Luckily, it's Skechers to the rescue. Introducing new hands-free Skechers slip-ins. Footwear you can just get your kids to step into and their shoes are on. You don't need to bend over. You don't need to sit on the floor and try to wrangle them on. And they're available in all types of Skechers styles with and without laces. And most are machine washable. Find Skechers slip-ins for kids or mom and dad at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish shoes are sold. ABC Wednesday, it's CMA Fest's 50th anniversary. I could not be more excited. With performances by Luke Bryan, Keith Urban, Carly Pierce, Luke Combs, Jelly Roll, and more. Plus summer's hottest collaborations. Cody Johnson and Reba McIntyre, Miranda Lambert and Avril Lavigne. Come on! Dirks Bentley, L. King, and Lainey Wilson host. CMA Fest! Wednesday on ABC and stream next day on Hulu. With over 15 acres of cars and trucks at the Lamarck Automotive Complex, there must be a reason. Buying a new car shouldn't be complicated. That's why our expert staff is here to help. I've been selling new Ford cars and trucks since 1970. That's over 50 years. Wow, there must be a reason. With your lifestyle and budget in mind, our finance team works hard to be the best in the business. Only at Lamarck Ford, at the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. The Sugar Bowl and Louisiana Tourism proudly present the Sugar Bowl Country Kickoff featuring Garth Brooks with special guests Lainey Wilson and Nitty Gritty Dirt Band Saturday, September 2nd at the Caesars Superdome. Celebrate college football's opening weekend in New Orleans with the Sugar Bowl's inaugural festival of country music. On sale Friday, July 21st, 10 a.m. Central at Ticketmaster.com slash Garth Brooks. Tickets $98.95 all-inclusive. Don't miss Louisiana's Sugar Bowl Country Kickoff featuring Garth Brooks. Don't let this happen to your life largest investment? Call DA Exterminating now. We're ready and waiting to protect your home from potential disaster called termites. Call DA now or visit us on the web at daexterminating.com. This report is sponsored by Macy's. Join Macy's and Reading is Fundamental to provide books and reading resources to underserved kids and educators when you donate online today or donate at checkout at any Macy's store. Learn more at macy's.com slash purpose. Welcome to your daily sports report presented by CrescentCitySports.com. The New Orleans Pelicans finished Las Vegas Summer League play at 3-2 and two after losing to the Philadelphia 76ers 117-114 in a consolation game Sunday. E.J. 
Liddell led New Orleans with 23 points. Darian Sebron had 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. Jordan Hawkins had 16 points and 5 boards. Dyson Daniels had 12 points, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists. The honors keep rolling in for LSU baseball. Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens were named first-team All-Americans by D1 Baseball and the ABCA, while Tommy White earned second-team honors from both entities. May there be a changing of the guard in men's tennis? 20-year-old Carlos Alcaraz outlasted Novak Djokovic in five sets to end Djokovic's four-year reign at Wimbledon. Alcaraz is the third youngest player to win Wimbledon. In golf, Rory McIlroy won the Scottish Open, and in NFL news, the Tennessee Titans are expected to sign free agent wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins to a two-year deal. For these stories and more, visit CrescentCitySports.com. Have a blessed day and be a good sport. For CrescentCitySports.com, I'm Ken Trahan. Now's the time. What's on your mind? We'd love to get your take by calling Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com and All Access on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. SEC football is a year-round entity, of course, but it's coming into full focus now with the season beckoning just over a month away and SEC Media Days taking place as we speak. And, of course, today Brian Kelly was a featured speaker. Joining us now to talk about the SEC is our good and great friend, Glenn Gilbo from Outkick.com. Glenn, always a pleasure, and I hope you're well. Hey, Kenny, how are you? Yeah, having a good summer. How are you doing? Oh, it's good, man. No complaints, just dodging the heat and dodging the rain, but it's all good, and <laughs> we're, we're good to go and looking forward to it. SEC football will be as good as ever, and obviously Texas and Oklahoma uh, closing in on jumping on board as well. The, the rich get richer. That's just the nature of this particular league, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, next year the SEC Media Days are going to be in Dallas with uh, Oklahoma and Texas joining the league. So that's going to be interesting, A&M playing Texas again. And uh, I I was hoping LSU and Texas would become annual opponents. I thought that just made sense. But the the good thing about how they're doing the schedule is you're not going to go more than uh, three years without uh, playing everybody. You know, so it makes a lot more sense. It's going to be a much better rotation than in the past. No, no doubt, and and just a cursory glance before we talk about LSU at the, in terms of the conference itself, Georgia certainly will be the favorite in the East, and it certainly would look like Tennessee, maybe South Carolina would be contenders there, and in the West, I mean Alabama will get the nod, I'm sure. Although it's going to be interesting to see how they look at quarterback. LSU certainly has has made great progress there and won the West last year. Uh, Texas A&M should be pretty good. Uh, is that the way you see it going in, or do you see it differently? I think LSU is going to get voted to win the West. Number one, they're not in Hoover, Alabama this year. That's right. The voting was really slanted a little bit. But, you know, most of the time Alabama should have been voted to win. But Alabama is not good at quarterback on paper. You know, I mean, seriously, LSU's top two quarterbacks are better than any quarterback Alabama has right now, the way I see it. I mean, they have one of the most experienced quarterbacks coming back in Jaden Daniels. So that usually, you know, and they return most of the, you know, a good part of their team, you know, plus Mason Smith is coming back and Harold Perkins was kind of, you know, late, a little late to the party last year, maybe should have been playing more. But, man, I, I see him really exploding uh, this year. They just kind of let him go last year. This year he's, he's going to get more, you know, know more of, of the defense 
the, mm-hmm. the techniques of the defense. Um, so I, I think LSU is going to be a going to be picked to win the West. Georgia will probably be picked to win the East and the overall. But um, you know LSU beat Alabama last year. They ended up being ranked lower than them. Heck, LSU ended up being ranked lower than Tulane last year. Um, right. But um, I, I think um, I think LSU is going into this this season as a as a favorite and probably going to be ranked in the preseason top 10 as well. Yeah, I mean, and that opener with Florida State is looms so large because Florida State's awfully good too. All right, so Brian Kelly spoke today and some takeaways. I mean, his comments about AI were very interesting. I thought that was certainly yeah. uh, one of the things that caught my attention. Yeah, that was a question you didn't expect to hear. <laughs> and, no, uh, <laughs> but, you know, LSU's very uh, – Especially under under Kelly, they're they're very technology uh, savvy, you know, and and I mean, very down to the detail, of, uh, you know, what they eat every day. You know, Saban's been doing that for years, but yes. no one's really done that at LSU. I remember right. Kelly talking about that a lot last year. He had everybody's diet was was checked, you know. I mean, it's down to the um, degree. So uh, it, it didn't surprise me that he he knew a lot about it. Um, but uh, you know he's he's definitely uh, one of the more brainiac coaches you're, you're going to have. Um, and I also liked what he said about when he was asked about closing the gap against Georgia. And I mean, yeah. he came out and said that they're not they're they're not there yet. You know, most coaches really wouldn't say that, but he's 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 pretty candid. He said they're not they're not on Georgia's level right now. Um, and you know, we saw that in the SEC championship game last year, but. You know, Georgia's, Georgia's lost a lot of players the last two years. I think this year you might see it catch up with them a little bit. So, you know, this, this, is, a, this is a really big year for LSU, I think, because they could, they could really close. They, they've, they've gained on Alabama, you know, maybe or even with Alabama right now, if not better. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to gain on Georgia this year. Yeah, I, I definitely think, looking on paper, they, they have closed the gap on Georgia. They still have some... Some question marks. Some of the other comments today, uh, certainly I thought the quarterback comments were interesting. He praised Jaden Daniels and talked about how he didn't know the player when they first got him and they had to learn each other and the improvement that took place and the leadership skills. And yet he he really went out of his way to praise Garrett Nussmeyer and and really called it competition. And I thought those were interesting comments. Look, there's no doubt Jaden Daniels is their starting quarterback and he's probably the best in the SEC. But Garrett Nussmeyer yeah. can play, and he's gone out of his way to praise him more than once. Yeah, and, you know, Brian Kelly, like I said, he's candid. i never forget last year uh, before the season started, he, he explained how he just hated playing two quarterbacks, two quarterback systems, because he had some controversial times with that at Notre Dame with various people. So he does not want to play two quarterbacks, and he said that today. Again, he said, you know, Garrett's right there, but he's not going to be subbing him in, you know. Uh, so I appreciate when they when they when they're honest like that, and then you know Jaden deserves to play all the time. I mean, as as well as he's played, um, I, I still think though that they're not they haven't caught up with Alabama or Georgia with the, with the two lines, you know, the interior lines, particularly right. the offensive line. And they got they got better last year, but they don't have the depth on the offensive line that that Georgia and Alabama has had year after year. That, that's really the next. That's really the only thing they're missing: uh, depth on the offensive line and, and probably uh, 
you know, a little more LSU like secondary and a little more depth on the defensive line. But you know, Mason Smith, man, he's he's going to be a terror this season. Yeah, I mean, he, they're counting on him in big fashion because yeah, I'm like you. I think the secondary, ordinary. I mean, nothing, nothing, not bad, just not exceptional like we've seen. And offensive line will be better. Uh, they, these young players they played last year obviously are talented, and they're going to be better a year older. But the question is, do they have any depth? And you got to hope for no injuries there. Other interesting comments today. I mean, he went out of his way to praise two running backs. Of course, Josh Williams won, but but then Logan Diggs, and that's not a surprise because he recruited Diggs when he was at Notre Dame very hard and got him there, and now he's got him at LSU. And of course, I did a whole bunch of the young man's games. Uh, he's big, he's strong, and he runs pretty well, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he was productive last year despite a hamstring problem. And uh, to me, I mean, I'm looking at their running back situation on paper. He's their most talented running back. Now, whether he gets the first carry or is the primary guy, I don't know. But, but obviously, this is a guy that, that really should help that position because they've had a bunch of ordinary guys at that position in the last couple of years. No question. Uh, running back and secondary just have not been that what we're used to, uh, you know, covering LSU. I mean, they, they really haven't had that, that back just that wows you, you know, like Clyde Edward Solaire, who, who really didn't wow you that much, but he, but he was really good on versatile, on being versatile and, and had a great game against Alabama in 2019 and other great games, but they haven't had that Fournette, Darius Geis tied back in a while. And maybe the digs is that, um, and, and, same, same with the secondary. So that's that's you know, but they're getting there, and, and he's he's been a very good recruiter. And uh, if they keep on pace, the way the way they're recruiting, and he's pretty adept at the the transfer portal as well. So they're you know they're close. They're they're going to be getting there soon. Yeah, look, I, I agree, and I think that's that's definitely a position where they got better with Diggs coming on board. Uh, as you look at the rest of the league right now, Glenn Gilbo with us from outkick.com. When you, when you look at the rest of the league, the teams that we talked about obviously are, are the teams to watch. And yet last year we saw Tennessee make that tremendous run and then the quarterback got hurt. And, you know, and they still had a really good season as a breakout team. Uh, South Carolina certainly looked uh, close to being that type of team. Do you see any one or two teams that might be those breakout teams in the SEC this year? I, I, I don't. I'm not, I don't think much of South Carolina. I, I think they're one of those programs that that that's the best they can usually do is about eight or nine wins. Spurrier got the best out of them a couple of years. Uh, I really like Tennessee. You know, they're still kind of they're not really uh, into defense yet. Josh Heupel is an offensive mastermind, but mm-hmm. he needs to get the defense going. I mean, they they had some embarrassing, you know, that game against South Carolina last year. Uh, but Joe Milton is going to be a very good quarterback. He put on a show at the Manning Passing Academy to transfer from Michigan, who's been at Tennessee a couple of years, which is backing mm-hmm. up. He's going to be very good. Um, I, I think, um, you know, I think Tennessee is, is a good pick to possibly win the East if Georgia has a little bit of a drop off. Yeah, I like uh, that, them that's too. That's what I like. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like I, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Alabama. I, I'm with you there. I mean, uh, the one that has the talent to break through but was a massive disappointment last year with the exception of one game against LSU was Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they still remain a, a question mark because, um, 
you know, even when Tennessee had success under Jimbo before last season, it was not because of a great offense. And now he's got Bobby Petrino, which is a kind of a strange combination. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, J- Jimbo's offense kind of got old, and he hired a guy who's older than he is. Uh, but Petrino is, is definitely, I mean, he was great at one time. It's going to be interesting to see how that works. But there's a lot of talent there, and, and Jimbo's a better coach than he showed last year. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a level below uh, LSU and Alabama right now in the, in the West. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment, too. And and I guess finally where LSU is concerned, I guess one of the – aside from the Florida State game, which means so much in the, in the scheme of things for both programs, uh, the other issue for LSU, if, if you want to call it an issue, is – you know, what I think four of their first five SEC games are on the road. I mean, they've got to right. hit the road, including to your alma mater, Missouri. They've got to go on the road very early, very often. Well, um, hopefully they'll look at the library there. There's a much better library at Missouri than LSU right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. I like, I like that. Well, all, all I remember is the last time they went to Missouri. It didn't go very well either under Ogeron. No, no, that was a major upset, but uh, – no, Missouri is, is, is also kind of like South Carolina in, in my book, really really probably below South Carolina. They, they've got a ways to go before they're a, a contender. But uh, really, Florida State is one of the best teams on LSU's schedule. I mean, they could, they could, mm-hmm. LSU could lose that opener. They, I mean, they could, it's in Orlando. They could lose that opener and still be a great team this year. Uh, I, I would say right now Florida State is, is probably – better than any team on LSU's schedule other than Alabama. And they might yeah. be as good as Alabama. They might be. I was going to say that. And last year's game, we all know what happened there. Despite being outplayed much of the way, the kicking game failed them, and they still could have won the game. And and I think LSU's better, but I think Florida State's better. And I just think it's it, it's that, that game carries so much weight, and it's going to be so interesting to watch. And I suspect this is going to be a very close game again. Final thought, final team. Florida is Florida any closer to being Florida again, or is it still just a Midland operation from your perspective? There's still a Midland operation, as, as you say. Uh, uh, you know, Billy Napier walked into a tough situation there, and he's he struggled to. Uh, you know, they have some NIL issues there that are kind of unique to, to the state because you know NIL is is so screwy because all the states have have different laws. Um, yes. But uh, and he's had trouble finding quarterbacks. Uh, so, you know, he's he's going to be fortunate to to get into that seven or eight win range. You know, he's he's. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great prospect to be a great coach. He's a young guy. Um, but you know, I think he's a couple of years away as well. Kind of like, um, you know, like uh, South Carolina and and probably A and M are. Yeah, that was my last question before I let you get away. Was the the whole NIL situation and Brian Kelly addressing it today again? And of course, Kelly and Nick Saban have met with Steve Scalise more than once, and now uh, SEC people at large have met with Scalise among others and trying to get him involved and trying to get Congress involved in this. And you know, regulation uh, not big on government regulation, but at the same time, uh, this this thing got out of the bag too quickly, and it's freeform guitar. And they're not wrong about this. I just think that you've got to have some regulation in place in terms of what can be done 
because the problem right now is, you know, the third-party situations that exist and the haves and the have-nots will, will grow even greater as a result of this if they don't find a way to at least have some sort of regulations applicable. Yeah, I think preform guitars is a great way to refer to it, Kenny, and, and, it, and it doesn't sound good. You know, it's not great music. Uh, it's, it's just very corrupt. And I, I remember when it first started, the summer of 21, I talked to Senator uh, Connick quite a bit in, mm-hmm. in the Capitol. And, you know, he was all hell-bent on making sure Louisiana got its laws right <clears throat> to help LSU. Well, that's what all the states are doing in, <clears throat> in their own way. They're trying to help their, their school. But that, that's just not right. It's, it's got to be uniform over all the schools or it's just a, a big mess because each state has uh, has different laws and i'm i'm sure scalise scalise is is trying to help kelly more than he's trying to help Saban. <laughs> I mean, there's no question about it i mean he's an lsu fan he's a ul fan yeah. and uh you know and, I, and i'm sure he you know when he thinks about it i mean he wants what's best he, he probably wants a uniform too but at the moment you know he's going to be helping lsu as much as he can Without a doubt. Glenn Gilbo, always a pleasure. Outkick.com. Appreciate the visit. Uh, keep up the great work and, uh, and a great book. Enjoy the heck out of it. I'm glad that's gone well with Skip, too, and, and hope to talk to you again soon, my friend. And, um, and looking forward to seeing Coach Maneri go into the Hall of Fame in a couple of weeks, too. That should yeah. be fun. I know you're to him. Yeah, very good friend and happy for him and, and well-deserved and he gets his due despite criticism, and I still hear all that stuff. Oh, he should have won more than one and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I get it. It's not easy, folks. Not easy at all. But anyway. Hey, Steve Spurrier only won one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Tell me about it. Sean Payton's only won one so far, so we'll see. <laughs> Last time I checked. Thank you, Glenn. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Thank you. All right, buddy. A brief time out. Back in just a moment here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and at NashFM1061.com. What does it mean to be New Orleans' very own? It's about being raised in your city, reporting on your concerns, sharing stories from neighborhoods where you grew up, on falling down and getting back up. It's shining light on tough issues, doing something about it to move New Orleans forward. It's not easy as we fight your fight, serving the community we love, making sure our viewers know they are and we are New Orleans' very own. Catch WGNO News at 5, 6, and 10. New Orleans' very own. Hi, I'm Chad. And I'm Steve. And together, we're Dudley DeBosier. If you've been injured, you deserve Dudley DeBosier, so you demand Dudley DeBosier, the official injury lawyers of the New Orleans Saints. And the only law firm in Louisiana with a no-fee guarantee. That means you pay nothing, no fees, cost, or expenses, unless we get money for you. Dudley DeBosier, home of the no-fee guarantee, backed by the black and gold. That's the Dudley DeBosier difference. Call 504-444-4444. That's 504-444-4444. Chad Dudley, New Orleans. LA 221 If this were a Reese's TV ad, you'd be staring at a Reese's peanut butter cup. And sure, my voice is peanut buttery smooth, but still, you need to see the peanut butter cups, right? No? I can really just say Reese's and you'll go get some? (laughs) Okay. Reese's. 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 Really working, actually. Reese's. Reese's. This, I'm on to something. Reese's. 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 
the Sugar Bowl and Louisiana Tourism proudly present the Sugar Bowl Country Kickoff featuring Garth Brooks with special guests Lainey Wilson and Nitty Gritty Dirt Band Saturday, September 2nd at the Caesars Superdome. Celebrate college football's opening weekend in New Orleans with the Sugar Bowl's inaugural festival of country music. On sale Friday, July 21st, 10 a.m. Central at Ticketmaster.com slash Garth Brooks. Tickets $98.95 all-inclusive. Don't miss Louisiana's Sugar Bowl Country Kickoff featuring Garth Brooks. Shortstop Po' Boys, 119 Transcontinental off Airline Highway. Feeding New Orleans since 1966. Come to Shortstop for Po' Boys, Gumbo, Potato Salad, and more. 504-885-4572 or at shortstoppoboysno.com. This report is sponsored by Macy's. Join Macy's and Reading is Fundamental to provide books and reading resources to underserved kids and educators when you donate online today or donate at checkout at any Macy's store. Learn more at macy's.com slash purpose. This is Josh Danzig with Where You At Magazine for 1061 Nash Icon. Get your tickets for this Sunday night to the Smoothie King Center to catch superstar Alicia Keys on her Keys to the Summer Tour she performs all of her hits. And don't let the weekend end on Sunday. This coming Monday, July 24th, it's Shania Twain live in the Smoothie King Center. For more info on what to do this weekend, pick up the new July issue of Where You At all over town. Or visit whereyat.com and sign up for our weekly e-blast to get the latest events delivered directly to your inbox. Cumulus New Orleans. Incredible service and excellent results. New Orleans is always number one with Cumulus Radio and Digital. This is where you get all access, not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports topics are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 1061 Nash Icon through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. Well, today was the deadline for franchise players in the NFL to agree to long-term contracts, and the eyes were on a few players in particular, running backs. And nothing really happened because... Saquon Barkley of the Giants, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, and Tony Pollard of the Cowboys, none of them agreed to any long-term deals prior to the deadline, which was 3 p.m. today. So now all three have to play the upcoming season on their franchise tenders. As a result, Pollard has signed his tender. Barkley and Jacobs, however, are unsigned, and they stay away from their team's off-season programs. All right, 504-260-1061. Back with a final word on NFL quarterback rankings in a moment as we continue with the Life Free Story, or not Life Free Stories, but uh, the all-access show here on a Monday night here on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and NashFM1061.com. You could throw your flip-flop at a bug. Ew, a bug, get it. But the chances of actually hitting it oh, over there. are statistically it's still alive. Unlikely. Good thing nature's got your back. Stem bug killers combine powerful active ingredients found in plants like lemongrass and geraniol and scientifically engineer them into effective bug fighting formulas, safe for use as directed around people, pets, and throughout the home. Stem, rooted in nature, optimized by science. 
If you have a medical emergency, go to your nearest Rapid Urgent Care. There are several locations to serve you. North Shore, South Shore, a total of six locations. You won't wait for hours to be seen by a doctor. In fact, most patients are in and out in just 40 minutes. Strep throat, flu shots, COVID-19 testing, x-rays, drug screening, or lab work. Go to Rapid Urgent Care. They can handle it on site. No appointment needed. Walk in with your ID and insurance card. For the location near you, go to rapidurgentcare.com. I have diabetes. I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. I have asthma. I'm at risk, too. If you're 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, COPD, or heart disease, or are 65 or older, you are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a vaccine that can help protect you against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Even if you've already been vaccinated with other pneumonia vaccines, Prevnar 20 may help provide added protection. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Do you know what brand sells the most work shoes in America? Skechers. Why? Skechers has the best-looking safety toe and slip resistant shoes around they've got superior quality and simply incredible prices but many people get them just for the style so you can enjoy tough steel-toed protection and slip resistant soles anywhere even if you don't need them for work and since they're sketchers you know they're going to be comfortable with sketchers exclusive air-cooled memory foam find your new pair of sketchers safety toe and slip resistant work shoes at a sketchers store at sketchers.com or wherever work shoes are sold keeping your kids safe is a full-time job whether it's putting on outlet covers, installing child gates, or gluing down your priceless face. So Duracell made one part of childproofing simple. Our lithium coin batteries are the only ones coated in a non-toxic bitterant to help discourage swallowing. Your kid is safer, and you've got one less thing to worry about. Or glue down. Duracell. Engineered for more. Available in 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. This is Kevin Mamahat. For most of us, the largest single purchase we'll ever make is when buying a home. That's why thousands of homeowners each year choose to protect their largest investment with Rhino Shield. Rhino Shield is the only international architectural ceramic coating that gives residential and commercial owners peace of mind. Along with our 25-year warranty, our ceramic coating reflects the ultraviolet rays we experience here in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama, keeping your home cooler with less strain on your air conditioner. And it's more affordable than you think. So give us a call for your free estimate, 504-407-2222, or visit rhinoshieldmidsouth.com. Call now, and you can get the guaranteed protection of Rhino Shield for 20% off the regular price, 407-2222, or visit rhinoshieldmidsouth.com. Don't paint, don't rhino, go Rhino Shield. Never paint your house again, Rhino Shield. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have meaningful, constructive dialogue on All Access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon, at NashFM1061.com, and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call, 504-260-1061. NFL executives, coaches, scouts, all asked to rank 
the top quarterbacks in the NFL. No surprise, number one, Patrick Mahomes. Maybe a surprise to some that number two is Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati Bengals. Josh Allen at number three. Eric Rodgers still at number four, which might surprise some. Justin Herbert at number five. Jalen Hurts at number six. Lamar Jackson at number seven. Trevor Lawrence at number eight. Dak Prescott at number nine. And Matthew Stafford still in there at number 10, which might be a little bit of a surprise to some, but still in there. Honorable mention, five guys. Deshaun Watson of Cleveland, an honorable mention choice amongst these league executives, coaches, and scouts. Kirk Cousins of Minnesota, an honorable mention as well. Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions, honorable mention. Tua Tagovailoa, honorable mention. And 